Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Merry Christmas. On AM560. Ho, ho, ho. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Damian. As we near the end of 2022, we must come to terms with saying goodbye to certain things and certain people. Yes. And uh, By the way, I got my voice back, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you can speak again. And for... if you're watching, Dan's in the studio today, although you're currently a black blob. <laughs> I don't show up on film. Um, yeah. Uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, he beat us to the punch in saying farewell to an Illinois son. Oh, uh, it was the best riff in, he's ever done. Adam Kinzinger, uh, he bid his fare thee well uh, to the House floor, empty chamber last week yeah and was he crying it was emotional of course because he's um suffering from a condition that tucker has identified i think a lot of us have seen men of a certain age in our friend group uh succumb to this same condition tucker identified it kinzier was first elected to the house 12 years ago and for the bulk of his time in office he served utterly without distinction in virtual anonymity A few of his constituents had heard of him, but none expressed interest in learning more. (laughs) Then, in 2018, came the transformation. That was the year that Adam Kinzinger turned 40, and Uh. things began to change inside of him. (laughs) The first signs were subtle but unmistakable, choking up at a car insurance commercial, opening an Instagram account and posting pictures of himself, wearing spandex bike shorts to Starbucks without shame, and sometimes with a fanny pack. By 2021, Kinzinger had a full-blown case of male menopause with all the familiar painful symptoms. Mm -hmm. Mood swings, hot flashes, food cravings, uncontrollable weeping. A lesser man would have retreated from public life, chosen new pronouns, and transitioned in private. But Adam Kinzinger chose another path. He chose to be a role model. He wanted other middle-aged men to know there is life after hormonal imbalance. And so on July 27th, 2021, Adam Kinzinger bravely came out of the closet as a weepy man. You may remember the moment. I never expected a day to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. But you guys won. Boy. You guys held. My girls. <laughs> you know, democracies boy. are not defined by our bad days. Imagine the courage that took. Yes, I am emotionally incontinent. Yes, I am utterly irrational. No, I will not be silent. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to Boehner's uh, My Girls moment last oh, week and right. Pelosi's portrait unveiling. And I mentioned on Friday, I think what he was really lamenting what? with that uh, weeping was the loss of his penis. He remembered. When he used to have Dan. one, and then then he then he lost it, and he misses it, and I think that's sort of the same dynamic that you see happened uh, that happened here with Adam Kinzinger after he turned forty, 
and lost his manhood. It's sad. Uh, another example of this, too, in terms of sort of the mood swings, the yeah. mercurial nature, the uh, wild swings of emotion, uh, his uh, throwdown, Adam Kinzinger's, with a tweeter whose handle is Cat Turd. Oh, and he it, let Cat Turd get under his skin. He's actually pretty funny. A Cat Turd. I love Cat Turd. Uh, yeah, he made the mistake of uh, lampooning Kinzinger's patriotism for Ukraine, and um, Kinzinger would have none of it, Carlson recounts. Kinzinger made that clear the other day when he responded personally to a Twitter account called Cat Turd. Because when you're one of Washington's leading authorities on foreign policy, you spend a lot of time on Twitter reading accounts with names like Cat Turd. So the other day, Cat Turd made the mistake of posting a meme that seemed to mock the colors of the Ukrainian flag, colors that are sacred to Adam Kinzinger and every other empathetic soccer mom in her mid-40s. You can imagine how offensive that was. It was like telling an off-color joke about Meghan Markle. It could not stand. And so alone and battling debilitating hot flashes in his kitchen, fighting the urge to open yet another bag of Chips Ahoy, Adam Kinzinger fought back. Literal evil, he wrote in a late-night response to Cat Turd. If I met you in person, it would not end well for you, sicko. Whoa. Hear that, Cat Turd? It will not end well for you. That's not a pillow fight Adam Kinzinger is talking about. That's a full-on slap fight with hair pulling. This is real. You'd better apologize. Our heart goes out to Cat Turd tonight, who's probably cowering in a litter box somewhere, waiting for Adam Kinzinger to show up with sharpened nails. Mock the Ukrainian flag? Get scratched. Those are the rules, Cat Turd. It's a tough town. Meow. <laughs> Meow. 312-642-5600, turkey.pro answer line. 64636-DA, turkey.pro text line. Uh, I mean, Memorial it was the most beautiful. Kinzinger takedown of adam kinzinger ever <laughs> you know it was it kinzinger has almost become uh, ben affleck doing keith oberman you're right that's what it yeah. is yeah I mean, with like the catcher they're evil resign and yeah mrs precious perfect. oh god it's just so good um and then he has one more chance today today's his last hurrah in front of the they have one more committee hearing today, well, which I, is going to be televised on CBS, ABC, and NBC. I agree with um, Tucker what? that we will never forget Adam Kinzinger. We should never forget Adam Kinzinger, and here's why. Well, we suspect it'll end like it began in anonymity. In just weeks, Adam Kinzinger will be another CNN contributor. No one will ever see him again. <laughs> but we will never forget him. Adam Kinzinger will live forever in our hearts as an example of what a man can be when he stops trying to be a man and unleashes the emotionally fragile divorced single mom within. Have another glass of Chardonnay and listen to me cry. Yes, Ms. Kinziger, we will. Oh, my God. I mentioned this before. I mean, I um, didn't see the male menopause when he turned 40 coming. I made the mistake of uh, introducing Kinzinger when he ran in 2010, and that was a and, and so supporting him against Don Manzullo because it was a remap year and the two were drawn together in the same district. Don Manzullo out of Rockford. And I said, well, look, Don Manzullo is a good conservative and I have nothing against him, but he's also been there for a long time. And I haven't really seen him engage in Republican Party politics at the state level. And we need conservative leadership at the state level. You don't get to get elected to Congress with all the local support and then just pretend that you have nothing to do with what happens in the state. 
and Kinzinger, you know, upstart with the military service. And I thought, well, here's a guy that um, gets that from our conversations. And so I supported him and uh, made a mistake, clearly, with what he has become. I, I don't know if it's just Trump derangement syndrome. It's beltway fever. It's the combination of the two. He but got it, a, married, has a kid. I mean, I don't know. Or did he realize he wasn't going to win his congressional district well, that's this time what, around and then just said, you know what, I'm all anti-Trump, I'm all in? No, I mean, I think it was the decisions he made made it impossible for him to run again, not the other way around. Okay. And so, it, but it does, it does, it is a reminder. He is a cautionary tale. I mean, on a serious note, why we should not forget him because you know, so many people fall in love with demographics, fall in love with the image, fall in love with what, uh, looks good on paper. Oh, yeah, he served our country. But but beyond that, uh, Kinzinger and Aaron Schock, the donor class was, you know, foaming uh, over them. Uh, just all, hearts a flutter. Well, they looked when, alike, too. <laughs> when they came into office, and they both turned out to be absolute catastrophes who did nothing but regress the Republican Party. And so, you know, it's a, a reminder for, my, for me to kick the tires a little bit harder Make sure that um, you know what you're getting. Make sure you have somebody that's worthy of investing your time and energy and effort in. And it's not somebody who's just looking to leverage whoever's support they can get in the moment to um, get themselves to one position and then leverage whoever support they can get to leverage themselves to the next position. And there's sort of no core there. There's no foundation. And that's what we found out about Shock and Kinzinger and so many other Illinois Republicans and with his departure uh, very soon, Kinzinger's, it's a reminder not to fall for that identitarian trap, fall into that identitarian trap again. I mean, this is one of the reasons I'm so vociferous against identitarianism because and it, it doesn't have to be race. It can be age. You know, it can be good looking versus not good looking. It could be a lot of things that are superficial and that don't tell you don't give you much indication in terms of where things are going to go on the substance of the matter. And that certainly was the case with Kinzinger. Uh, you know, just because Kinzinger's going and Fauci's going. Yeah. And the Nexus is farewells from Tucker, two of the best farewells I've heard. Um, a little reminder on Tucker's farewell to Fauci because the oh, people that right. are going to miss Kinzinger are very yeah, I mean the the people who miss Fauci and the people who miss Kinzinger it's like a, the, the Venn diagram would be a perfect circle. Imagine the pandemonium at Soul Cycle Studios across the Northeast this morning <laughs> when Tony Fauci announced his retirement. Ugly doesn't begin to describe it. Picture the chaos if you can in the organic chaga aisle at Whole Foods in Brookline. <laughs> Try to envision the panic and hysteria that must have broken out at espresso bars in Edgartown and Aspen and Santa Monica and Bethesda is thousands of masked ladies in Lululemon discovered all at once that the one religious leader they still revered, their own even tinier version of the Dalai Lama, had decided to retreat forever from public life. It was, ladies and gentlemen, the equivalent of a targeted nuclear device detonated over the most emotionally vulnerable elements of our most privileged population. You can picture the carnage, the wailing, the swooning, Manicured hands clutched to breasts, then fumbling for Xanax in expensive handbags. <laughs> Not since the orange man seized the White House in a Russian coup have more 46-year-old <laughs> Cornell-educated lawyers with weak husbands wept shamelessly in public.
Oh, God, is that such a great line, especially the last one. 46-year-old Cornell educated lawyers with weak husbands. Yeah, married to people like Adam Kinzinger. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Santa's coming to Santa! Oh, my God! On AM560. Santa here? I know him. The Answer. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer. Yeah, it's got to be, right? No, Trans-Siberia Orchestra. Oh, it's Trans-Siberian? That's not Mannheim Steamroller? We'll play that the next hour. Hmm. Uh, my, my ears must be a little clogged. I don't have my normal, you know, precise. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. It's early. We'll let it slide. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, she's the mayor of Chicago, you may have heard. Um, triple threats police detail. You've heard of the uh, 12 Days of Christmas. How about the 31 cops guarding Lori Lightfoot? 31? That's per shift. Her police detail uh, got uh, this detail on the detail from a friend of mine in CPD. So for her, there's one sergeant to supervise the eight cops who are with her. Okay. There's... um, also, one for her wife and one for her daughter. That's 11 total, please. Then the support detail, which is the detail to support the detail. There's one sergeant to supervise that. There's 12 cops to watch the house, six two-man cars, what? and six SWAT officers. Six. So that's 19. By the way... They're also in these uh, armored cars. There's SWAT officers. There's three armored cars that could, as my friend said, either start or end a small war uh, oh that are included in the detail. And then there is uh, one cop in a covert car to follow the detail, to follow the support detail that supports the, detail the that's police supported. detail. Okay, so you have the police detail, the support, de- and then, then the other support. That's a lot of details. Uh, that's 11 plus 19 plus 1. That adds up to 31 in my book, and it's 24-7. Obviously, these officers uh, are working 24-7, so there's three shifts. So that's, you know, you're getting up to almost 100 police officers for her round-the-clock security. Now, this as as we reported last week, for example, the 16th Police District, which is the northwest side, 
Jefferson Park being sort of cent- the central part of it, that area, those neighborhoods, um, is down 100 officers. And, you know, I, I don't know if you caught the smattering of crime around the city just over the weekend. Uh, I mean. Let's start with Juarez High School. Pick a neighborhood, any neighborhood. Well, Juarez High School, some kid dressed in all black, plowing through a snowstorm with his gun drawn and picks off a 14-year-old, fatally shoots him in the head, and a 15-year-old shoots him in the head while they're getting out of school, and then grazed a girl and somebody else were shot mm-hmm. in that assassination attempt. Yeah, they got a picture of him that's circulating. Well, I mean, such that you could identify him because he's in black and with a hoodie, but yeah, right. With a mask over his face. Um, so that was at Juarez High School. Horrible. A man escaped injury when a driver opened fire on him near Lakeview High School. Yeah. Oh, that's your hood. I know. Saturday morning, 7.05 a.m., 34-year-old man was driving when a gunman stepped out of a black truck and shot at him. A 16-year-old was fatally shot on the red line yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, what else? I mean, it's just, it goes on and on. I mean, Shoot. then we had that horrible shooting at Lawrence and Ashland. I mean, we had just, our, our basketball game just ended. We were driving home, and you hear to every squad car in the world come. And this woman lost her 17-year-old son and her 20-year-old son. Just like that. In a matter of a minute, they're gone. A lot of people are hurt behind him leaving us like this because he was a real good-hearted child. And everything I heard about that 17-year-old is that he was a great kid and everybody loved him that knew him. Shootout uh, in the loop. This is uh, like Adam and Wells, like down right from the W Hotel. 19-year-old male victim standing outside. Several shots fired, once in the groin and once in the arm, transported Northwestern. Bullet holes visible in the windows at doors at Citibank, McDonald's, and Starbucks. That's the loop. Lincoln Park, you say, we brought you the story uh, of the 70-year-old woman who was robbed and her car was taken in Lincoln Park when she was walking her dog last week. Apparently, that armed robbery crew has committed several similar holdups and carjackings in the past five days, including at least one more in Bucktown, according to Chicago police. So they're still working on that. Uh for about a month, armed crews have unleashed nearly 100 robberies, 100, during frequent crime, crime sprees with the near west, northwest, and north sides. They uh, Now, this is good news. The police arrested the four-man crew good. that uh, they believe is responsible for at least some of the robberies. Huh. Yeah, and during that press conference, Superintendent Brown was begging judges, anybody who was listening, do not let these men out on electronic monitoring. They were not. They're held without bail. Right. But he had to, But I'm saying it has come to the point where the superintendent has to have a press conference begging Kim Fox and Judge Evans and whoever's listening to do their job. Well, he has. That's pretty sad. He has to because, you know, otherwise you're going to have more instances like this that are sort of embarrassing. Prosecutors say a man who was placed on electronic monitoring by two different counties while facing nine separate felony cases Caught off both counties' ankles monitors, both counties' ankle monitor, and uh, oh. escaped to Texas border town. He was identified there. Now he's back in Cook County. So he was, he got a, I got a bracelet from Cook County. He had a bracelet from DuPage County, and he wound up in a Texas border town. When that happens, Dan, do you get one on each ankle, or do they double up? I think it's I um, is it maybe to balance you out. I think uh, you know it's the um, honor student's choice. Oh, yeah, you know. 
Um, just on the um, security detail. Yeah, please. So to provide some context here, so you know, you say thirty-one officers, a detail, support detail. The support detail to the detail is a new wrinkle. That's a Lori Lightfoot innovation, as I understand it. Um, we're foying more information about those details, and also about details for other big city mayors. But for example, uh, I understand Tiny Dancer had sixteen officers and a commander. That was it. Yeah, he had to have about five or six officers at any given time protecting him with a commander to supervise. So that's you know half of what Lightfoot had, has. Yeah, and she had he had one car behind his house and then the two in front because we'd drive by it all the time. But if there was something happening, like say maybe his son getting assaulted right in front of his house across the street, well then they just, they didn't they, they didn't just turn off the cameras. Right, they turned off they yeah, turned off the big blue light camera. Yeah, but course. they also didn't help out and assist. Well, they got to cover that one up. So they helped out in that way, in that sense. Oh, yeah. They helped cover it up in addition to, to in addition to protecting Tiny Dancer. Um, so they're always there to help. The uh, the point here is to say, would uh, a lesser detail than the hundred officers, if you count it up around the clock, for Lori Lightfoot, would that uh, change what's happening in the city? No, but it would prevent would have more. Uh, officers to respond in areas where there is endemic crime, and that's increasingly becoming the entire city. And at least it could throw more resources at prevention as well as solving crimes that have been committed. So maybe if you got a four-man crew committing 100 robberies on the northwest side, you can devote a few more officers to bringing that crew to heel so you, the robbery stop the mm-hmm. crime spree stops for example so it's not it's not any, like it's an entire solution nobody's saying it is but it is a little bit unnerving is that fair for a openly antagonistic uh, somebody who's openly antagonistic towards the police as Lori Lightfoot has been predating her mayoralty uh, and who uh, chides gun owners when it comes to protecting themselves, their families, who plays the the gun banners game. A lot of racial politics emanating from the mayor's office under triple threat. And then we see her, you know, with the sort of security detail that you would expect Pablo Escobar to have. Well, I did see one of those SWAT tanks um, in yeah. Logan Square, and I kept wondering, where are they going? And now I know where they were going. That thing looks sinister. You're right. It's like, like they could stop a small war. It's just all this. The, it's just the ruling class mentality, right? There's no no amount of protection is too much for her, and no amount of protection is too little for you. And that's just something, you know, the the for me but not for thee yep. that permeates everything in the city and everything in Illinois and everything in states that are dominated by a political ruling class. And nothing's coming out of her pocket, right? This is all. No, of course not. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You could also reach us at 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. And if she's the face of the city, I remember being instructed about that during COVID. Right. And nobody wants anything to happen to her. But the idea that she's under some sort of threat that requires this amount of uh, 24-7 protection. Um, uh, maybe she could call in more people if she knows that they're going to be protesting in front of her house, but it's Winter time now, people, you know, it's not the summertime where people just crowd in front of her house. They're stationed at her house even if she's out of town. 
Right. That detail is there 24-7, 365. And so. they have one with her daughter, I understand that, and then one with her wife at all times. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people could pick out who her wife is. I Well, pretty easy to pick out. Craig in Mount Greenwood. Hey, good morning, Dan and Amy, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, it's pretty painfully obvious that uh, uh, this uh, light foot leftist, uh, just like all the rest of them, is very, very um, uh, realizes how important uh, big, uh, lots of guns and bullets and big magazines are to be in the protected and everything. But they, uh, you know, begrudge a law-abiding citizen to have a concealed carry little pistol or a school, a public school, to have uh, gar- armed guards in there or an armed teacher into the school. It is so hypocritical, rotten garbage that this woman gets all that protection that when she outwardly uh, begrudges anybody to be protected in, in every single way. The scum. Thanks for the call, Craig. Well, and, you know, there are a lot of members of the city council that uh, feel the same way she does. What do you mean? Well, for example, Chicago Alderman... Byron Sigcho Lopez, who's one of the out and proud socialists on the city council. Oh, this guy. Um, he uh, just two months ago called for fewer cops to be in his 25th ward. Oh, okay. <laughs> Take the white supremacists too, he said. Oh. Before marching out of a meeting with with uh, with uh, city that's uh, before marching out of city council meeting. Yeah. Uh. Now he's calling for, though then he called, We I think we reported on this, he called for a 48-hour gang ceasefire because too many people were being shot oh, and killed. Oh, yeah, we did cover that. On Friday, he attended a press conference where organizers hoped to raise awareness about a pattern of armed robberies of street vendors. Sigjo Lopez now saying, we are demanding this of the city of Chicago the same public safety measures that we have in every other neighborhood. Wait a second. Well, well you can't have it both ways there, buddy. Let me guess, because a 191% increase in shootings? In his ward? Yeah, year yeah. over year, 191%. Yeah. But it was two months ago, it was uh, virtue signaling against the police. Now, all of a sudden, when street vendors are getting robbed and they're asking him, hey, what are you doing about it? Now we have a press conference where he's preening before cameras saying, hey, 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 we're being under-resourced, I'm sure, because we're Latino, he would say, you know, play the identitarian, the victim game. It's just uh, it's just sad because it's just a city that can't find its way to be serious. We don't have serious people running other than perhaps Paul Vallis and, and Willie Wilson. And um, they're, I don't know, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be an interesting 60 days coming out of the new year. But, um, you know, what, what do you get from Chewy Garcia in terms of the response to the shooting where two kids were killed at Juarez High School? This has to stop. Oh, finally somebody said it. This has to stop. No, what we need are police at when the bells, because we had six, four kids shot in front of Schur's High School. We had the one kid from Sen, but he was shot at home, uh, real near the high school, I should say. Yeah. And then we had the Saguaras. Why can't we have an incre- increased police presence when at, school at, gets out at, at 3 at, o'clock? At all, at all 300 schools? Wait, wait, wait. One cop car, maybe? Anything? Our kids are under attack and nobody cares. Uh, well, it's kids attacking, uh, under attack by who? It's kids attacking but, kids. I know, but I'm saying, can't they, if there was a police presence, don't you think that would have stopped that kid from know. going in all, you know. We're down 2,000 officers, and we got Lori Lifeless got 100. She's got 100 more than, she's got 100, and North, Northwest Side needs 100. Doesn't sound, sound, doesn't sound like the resources are there. I mean, the money's there. 
doesn't sound like there's a desire to have the resources there and translate the money into public safety resources. I actually have a plan. What it sounds like is there's a lot of interest in virtue signaling and spending money to buy votes effectively through dependency programs like, oh, I don't know, universal basic income pilot programs. doesn't sound like there's a lot of interest in dealing with gang crime in the city or in the schools, which, of course, are in the city. Oh, has, C- has CPS asked for it? Uh, CPS- no, the CEO of CPS graduated from Benito Juarez High School. Couldn't care less. CPS, mm-hmm. uh, has, have, they, have they made any mention of that? Cops in the schools? No, they want cops out of the schools. Yeah, they want, yeah. So, so, so what are we talking about? Yeah, you, right. you, want, you want cops gone, then let's pull them. LSC voted. And we originally kept our cops, and then somebody came in and said, no, no, you can't have that. You want them gone, then pull them. Okay. You want a sanctuary city, then welcome them. Here you go. Live your values. Um, so there's no interest in from CPS. And by the way, it's not a resource issue. Just CPS alone, they have more money than they know what to do with from all the COVID funny money that was drop shipped yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Who's in charge of that? Sean, Northwest Side. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, I was just wondering if her security details, if the, the cops that are in a security detail, what the, the race of all of them are. Is it pretty diverse? Great, great question. Yeah, yeah great question. According yeah. to her, you know. Everything's about race. That's why she's the underdog right now. No, it's not what just... What is your path to getting into the runoff? Uh, well, I think a couple of things. Number one, I've got to make sure that I continue to be in neighborhoods all over. Uh, sorry, that was the wrong soundbite. But she said she's an underdog because she's a black female lesbian. Still beating that drum. Yeah, she's not only interested in race. She's also in, interested in sexual behavior and uh, gender identity um, and socioeconomic status. Okay. And um, what other identitarian things am I missing? Frank Arlington Heights. Good morning. Um, great article this weekend in American Greatness that applies to all of this. And it's called Children of the Snake by James Patrick Riley. And he details really how one of the biggest problems we have in our world today and in our country is the fact that we are emotionally weak. We don't have the biblical training. We don't have the ability to stand up evil. I mean, he says in here, it's perfect. He says, uh, the most likely emotional defense, however, in our age against sane biblical parenting would be an appeal to unicorns and pixies. Do we want to traumatize our children with a picture of ever-present looking evil? And then he goes on to talk about examples in, in history about you know, how when the Pharaoh ordered the Hebrew midwives to kill the Hebrew children, the midwives disobeyed, lied about it, how we have to be stronger and defy authority. We need a culture of collective, creative, and virtuous defiance. That's what we need. It's so true. We have to get emotionally stronger. Otherwise, this is just going to continue. Yeah. Children that, of the snake. Yeah. That's, what, that's, that's, that's who we're led by. That's, uh, that, is, that, is, that, is that based on the uh, book by Mel Corbett? Is that what he was referencing uh, in the piece? I, I, don't, I didn't see that oh. name in here. Right. In it, but, uh, we'll you know, he was just, it was just an excellent article. So it hit me this weekend because it, it was so good. And it was so so apt. And it re- replies, it asso- is associated with all this stuff with Lightfoot and these other leaders we have. Oh, thanks for the call, Frank. And what do we have? We have a bunch of uh, 40-something men who are suffering from male menopause, as we talked about the beginning of the hour, the Adam Kinzinger being an illustration of that. And so it goes in Chicago. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Santa's coming to town! 
Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. You just can't believe it would happen at your kid's school, right? It's a school maybe mom and or dad went to. I remember that school. Some of the same teachers are still there. It's got to be substantially the same school. The, the kind of stuff I'm hearing about on shows like Chicago's Morning Answer, it, it, it can't be real. It's got to be an overstatement. It's got to be a one-off. Sure, there are going to be some outliers in any system as big as K-12 through education. And it can't be that everybody's in on it at a particular school or school district. There's got to be, when this kind of stuff happens, there's got to be some people that are standing up and you just don't hear from them. You know, they're not covered in the news, I mean. But I'm sure the school districts and the teachers, for the most part, and the administrators, for the most part, and the parents, for the most part, are rational people that are going to figure out a sensible path forward for whatever the issue is, whether it's curriculum related, whether it's a student with a gender identity situation. Cool heads and sensible minds will prevail, right? Okay. Meet uh, Amber Levine. This is her address to the Great Salt Bay Community School Board after a chest binder was provided to her daughter by a social worker at the school who told her daughter to keep the chest binder a secret from her mom. Oh, boy. Airbnb, Newcastle, Maine. On Friday, December 2nd, we discovered a chest binder in my barely 13-year-old's bedroom. Utilizing these devices can cause serious side effects. After discussing this with our 13-year-old minor child, it was revealed to us that the binder was given to her by a district social worker employed at AOS Central Lincoln County Main Schools without our permission. 
Our child was originally assigned to another social worker employed at her school. When the new social worker took her into their supposed care in mid-October, we were never informed of this change. Nor did the newly assigned social worker reach out to us to introduce themselves. In my initial meeting with administrators regarding this heinous act, they expressed great concern for a social worker in our school providing this chest binder to our 13-year-old minor child without parental consent. To our understanding, this person was not fired and will remain as is at AOS 93 Central Lincoln County Main Schools. I want to say that our daughter turned 13 a month prior to this incident. She's a minor child, my minor child, and under no circumstances should she have been provided a chest binder without knowledge of the parents. School administration will not release us social worker notes from meetings they've had with our child. At this time, we have concern for the actions this team has taken without including parental consults. A social worker at the school encouraged a student to keep a secret from their parents. This is the very definition of child predatory sexual grooming. Predators work to gain a victim's trust by driving a wedge between them and their parents. This secret has caused our child exacerbated symptoms of distress, anxiety, and depression. Through the discovery of this chest binder, though the discovery of this chest binder has had the unfortunate outcome of my pulling her from her school, she has expressed that she is glad the discovery was made, as keeping the secret from us and trying to hide the binder was increasingly stressful for her. I demand that all employees who have knowledge of the secret be immediately terminated from their positions at AOS 93 Central Lincoln County Main Schools, and that our child's records be released to us. Laws, policies, and parental trust were broken, and the decisions made drove a wedge between a child and their parents. Consider for a moment if this was your child. What would you do? No other parent should have to go through the trauma and distress, serious distress that this has caused my family. This stops with you, Mr. Belknap, and I want medium substantial relief. Thank you for your comments. Thank you. Your time is up. Next. They don't care. They're not even listening. She never met the social worker, this guy named Samuel Roy. She should be a picture of this guy. I'll tweet it out. I had no idea employees were secretly working to put her daughter on a path to gender transition. Other officials in the school participated in the young girl's social transition using masculine pronouns to address her. Chest binders, for those who don't know. They're horrible. Medical devices used to flatten the appearance of breasts, and females who are uncomfortable with the appearance of their chest. They can cause back pain, skin irritation, infections, exacerbate underlying health conditions, even when worn properly. But that's, of course, secondary to the uh, social, emotional, mental health impact of this conspiracy to transition a 13-year-old girl without the knowledge of her parents. So now that this has been brought to the attention, everybody's outraged and there's going to be some accountability affected, right? Mm. Nobody is getting disciplined as far as the reporting to this point. Also, a fourth grade teacher at another school in the district. Oh, no, it's at that school. I'm sorry. Uh, fourth grade teacher named Chris Coleman 
criticized the mom. <laughs> oh, it's her fault now? Well, criticized her for coming forward? It's an attack on students. You know, the mom used the term like this is the definition of, of grooming. And uh, I'm here because members of our community and perhaps some from afar have decided that our transgen- transgender students don't deserve to feel safe at school and that the term groomer was insulting for teachers. So there's the response you get to mom from a teacher in school. By the way, the main school officials have in the past denied that there's any provision of gender transitioning equipment like chest binders to public schools of any age. That's not happening. That's, you know, that's like right-wing hysterics. That's right-wing propaganda. That's fake news is what that is. Just like when parents go to school board meetings, including around Chicagoland, and talk about some of the books that are included in coursework that are there in the libraries for Drag Queen Story Hour and so forth. Just made-up stuff. Fake news. Right-wing propaganda. Hate. There's a good piece, and by the way, just speaking of hate, great piece in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend by Elliot Kaufman about the incidents of uh, anti-Semitic-inspired crime in New York State. He's talking about... um, 194 anti-Jewish assaults and 135 property incidents in New York City since 2018. Only two offenders have been sentenced to prison. Some, you know, 300-plus crimes, and only two offenders have been sentenced to prison. And, you know, all this stopped the hate and were anti-Semitic task forces and so on and so forth. And he's just got a great line here. Liberals love to fight hate, but I'd rather they punish crime. Uh, liberals love to fight hate in the school. You know what? But I'd rather they just teach the three R's. I, I'd rather they just teach the cardinal virtues. They're always about uh, fighting hate, and everything is in furtherance of that uh, amorphous fight against hate, including putting a chest binder on a 13-year-old girl and telling her to keep it a secret from her parents. It's all part of the larger battle against hate. Well, and I found out last week that if anyone's at CPS between the ages of 12 and 18... If they're transitioning or think that they are, they can go see a counselor and get help without letting their parents know. Of course, safe space. You want you want your trans kids, the kids to be safe, right? And to oppose that, to support parental leadership here, uh, the uh, communication to the parent, well, that's making kids unsafe. You don't want to be a part of that, do you? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You can also reach us on our text line, 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Yeah, there's um, some other parents uh, around the country that are troubled by what occurs, what is occurring, like what did occur with uh, Miss Levine's daughter in Maine. Uh, this is out of the Davis Unified School District in California. Near Sacramento, yeah. And uh, listen to these two ladies who um, make it known that they are not conservatives, not part registered of, Republic De- Democrats their whole life, not part of MAGA country. Oh, no. And um, yeah, they got some problems with what's going on in the school district in Davis, California, similar to uh, the school district in Maine, similar to so many school districts that we have covered over the last several years, including in Illinois. 
campaign. My name is Erin Friday. I'm a Democrat and a licensed attorney. I'm a lead of a parent group called Our Duty that is fighting against the transgendering of children and young adults. My daughter believed that she was trans after a public school brought in a consultant to teach students that they could have a female body and a male brain. Mm -hmm. That is not based on science. I pulled her from the school and she is now happy in her natural body. Since that time, schools have been growing more aggressive in their indoctrination of students, reading books about gender identity to kindergartners, planting the seed that they could be born in the wrong body, a physiological impossibility. Schools are priming them for a future of drugs and surgery to correct a fictional anomaly. The first lawsuit in California was filed this year, Conan versus Spreckles. It was filed against a school that secretly indoctrinated a young girl to believe that she was transgender. The teachers belittled the parent for not accepting that the daughter was now their son. One of those teachers had a daughter who transitioned. This is emblematic of the cult aspect. Teachers do not have the right to foist their anti-science ideology on students. Teachers do not create a safe space for students by telling them to keep secrets about their newly adopted gender identity from their loving parents, or by distributing binders, a medical intervention, to girls without having a medical license or parent consent. Thank you. Thank you. Your time's expired. Oh my God. Move on. Next. Thank you. Uh, you, um, you don't understand. I mean, social workers are at the top of the food chain here. I mean, we want them to police our streets, for goodness sakes. Oh, that's right. Have a domestic violence situation? Send a counselor. Here's That'll a... That'll end up well. Another parent at Davis Unified. I am close to the child caught up in the gender social contagion in this school district. Before you dismiss me as a right-wing bigot, know that I am a lifelong liberal Democrat. Gender ideology offers a false promise to young people that they can escape the natural discomforts and awkwardness of puberty. It is harmful and unkind. Upwards of 98% of all children who are, treat- who are gender confused grow out of it, provided that they are not socially transitioned, treated as the opposite sex, and go through natural puberty. Most will just be same-sex attracted. Of those who adopt a gender identity during puberty, most, if not all, have a comorbid mental health or developmental issue, trauma, internalized homophobia, bullying, ADHD, eating disorders, depression and anxiety, OCD, and most prevalently autism or autism traits. Instead of addressing these comorbidities, school counselors promote the false narrative that if they are transitioned, all of their distress will disappear. That is a fiction, and it is the cause of an unprecedented number of adolescents stating that they are trans or non-binary. Ten years ago, the total number of children with gender dysphoria um, for all ages was less than 0.02% for both sexes. In some schools, that number is now as high as 20%. Seattle School District has an 853% increase in students stating that they are trans or non-binary in their K-12 through grades in a three-year period. Kaiser Oakland performed 70 mastectomies on minors in 2019, and Kaiser Sacramento is hiring additional surgeons to keep the money flowing for removal of healthy... So I know that uh, people in our listening audience for the most part understand this but um, you get the sense that you're not winning that this viewpoint is not winning the day in most K-12 through school systems 
I feel like it's accelerating. It's getting worse. Well, it is accelerating. You just heard some of the right. stats to underscore Jeez. that point. So, um, yeah, you think your head is above water, and you're about to be pulled under by the undertow and pulled out to sea by the undertow. That's that's the, your school district. That's this country. You really want to stand idly by while children are mutilated by, as what was properly termed by that um, female attorney, a cult? School board elections in April. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Santa's coming to Santa! Oh, my God! On AM560. Santa here? I know him. The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, Elon Musk continues to make a splash with Twitter. And uh, by the way, just as an aside, I saw that he was at uh, the World Cup game, the final in Qatar. Oh, yeah, with, uh, what's his name? The Sheets, uh, I don't know. Well, he was with the Sheiks, but he was oh, a Jared Kushner. Kushner. Oh, yeah. yeah, Kush, as you yeah. call him. Emo yeah. Phillips. Right. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I, oh, you know I who won, I right? wouldn't want to... Yeah, Liechtenstein. No. Moldova? Ma Montiel! You hear the call? Montiel! Goal! 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 Argentina won. So somebody finally scored a goal in the World <laughs> No, Cup? it was actually, it was three zip. I don't care. France was, oh. Uh, anyway. Well, France was, and then Argentina came back and won in overtime. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Musk. Um, I mean, especially because he doesn't have the physique for it. You know, he's like, uh, he's he's challenging the orthodoxy of that, like, who's the real slim shady culture in big tech. Yeah. Where they all look alike with the same... You know, Juan Epstein haircut and the same novelty T-shirts. And some hoodies sometimes. Just wear a collared shirt. Really? Yeah. Wear a collared shirt. Grow up a little, maybe. Uh, just Man a, up a little is what you're saying? Just break from, break from that, will you? Come on. Uh, Jared Kushner right. was in a shirt, not a non-collared well, shirt. He's, he's, he's part of it now, huh? He is anatomically incorrect, Jared Kushner. <laughs> He's smooth down there. That's not a man. I'm not talking about Jared Kushner. I'm talking about Musk. Put a collared shirt on. It, it can be a short, you know, it can be a golf shirt or something. You're, I know it's in the desert. You're hot, but t-shirts, really, it's ridiculous. Uh, okay. So anyway, that and then also sort of odd was this um, poll he did over the weekend whether he should step down as the head of Twitter. Um, and uh, did you vote? No, because. No. Because you have better things to do with your time. This is stupid. I know it's stupid, but you know what? He's bringing the fun back to Twitter. Oh, yeah. He, I voted. I said he should stay. He big fun. Well, you lost that vote. Apparently. Ah, what, 52-48 last I saw? I think it was more like 58-42. Well, I voted early. Uh, well, that's good. And you, I, maybe you could vote often. I don't no, know. No, you can't. Um, so, and then. Oh, final poll, 57.5. He should step down. 42.5, no. He's not the uh, richest man in the world anymore, you know. Oh my He's God. lost that title, too. No, say it isn't so. But um, amid all of this uh, noise, 
the files he keeps putting forward through journalists like Matt Taibbi. Installment number six gets us back to Twitter's relationship with the FBI. And there's some good stuff here. And don't just sort of gloss over this and say, oh, well, that's interesting and nothing's going to happen. I mean, you do have House Republicans taking charge on January 20th. You will have Mike Turner from Ohio, Republican, will be the head of the Intel Committee. And, um, you know, he's a pretty serious guy, like Jim Comer and Jim Jordan. And here's what he had to say on Maria Bartiroma's show yesterday about uh, the FBI files he will seek to obtain. And importantly, since we've got this Jan 6th show, you know, uh, well, Star today. Chamber show extravaganza. Uh, it's the final one. Season and it's, conclusion yeah, again. Everyone's carrying it. Not only the cable stations, but CBS, NBC, ABC breaking into regular scheduled programs. I mean, it's a big a, event. You understand it's a total non-event. I know, but people don't. I mean, we get it. It well, is a kangaroo court. Well, it, not only one-sided. Not only is joke. it not only is it a Star Chamber, it's a total non-event because they're going to announce what whatever criminal furls they're going to announce. To the DOJ today. I, 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 you have an independent counsel who's been assigned. So what are you telling, what are you asking the DOJ to do that they're already not doing? It's completely pointless. It's completely a look at me moment for these yeah. goofs on that Jan 6th committee. Well, especially for Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, this is their swan song. You know, I, 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 what is, what's the over-under of Adam crying today? Yeah, well, I said goofs. That encompasses those two. Um. Anyway, so Mike Turner, getting back to something that's serious and prospective as opposed to retrospective and unserious, which is what you hear today, Turner on the FBI. Now, it is my understanding from our contacts that we've had with the FBI that there are secret files that the FBI has of these contacts that they were having with social media uh, and with mainstream media. And it has been our objective to get a hold of those files to see the extent of this so we can stop it, uh, we can cut off the funding and prevent, obviously, you know, average Americans being impacted by FBI actions. They have been resistant to this uh, point, and we certainly intend to pursue subpoena power to expose the extent to which the FBI has been doing this. And he made the point. Thank you so much, Jan Six, for the press sense you set with the use of subpoenas to obtain oh. documents that you, and, and witness testimony that you wanted because we'll fly in formation, will use the precedent you set and apply it now to the FBI, which is appropriate. Well, the FBI had under the cover of saying that they were pursuing foreign malign influence had really exploded into an, an activities that in, involved engaging with mainstream media and social media and really impacting what is the normal debate of democracy. Now, what's very troubling here, in my opinion, this was not based on intelligence. You had John Radcliffe on your own show saying, for example, the Hunter Biden laptop, which the FBI was trying to intervene and in, saying that was Russian misinformation. He said there was no intelligence that substantiated that. I believe that in the end, we will find that there's no intelligence that supports the FBI doing this, that this is a, a campaign by the FBI uh, that really is outside of the bounds of anything we would expect them to do, and certainly, you know, very constitutionally troubling. Constitutionally troubling. Where's Jim Comey when you need him? Where's Elliot Ness? Uh, Turner also made the point, one of the things he's going to be looking for, question he's going to be asking, so this whole, like, talk about the FBI as this you know, the ill-defined organization. 
FBI, FBI. Well, they're individuals that make individual decisions at the FBI, and you have to hold human beings accountable. So who was he or who were they? You know, we're also going to be looking for who's the mastermind. And since this is not based on intelligence, this is not for malign actors, that the malign actors turn out to be the FBI themselves. Who is it that's coordinating this? How can we cut off the money, prohibit this in the future? And we will use our subpoena power to track that down and make certain that this doesn't happen again. I, I find that actually pretty encouraging. And this is going to get interesting, at least with the committees chaired by Turner, Comer and Jordan come the winter. So stay tuned for that. More on the FBI and Twitter in the Matt Taibbi thread, per what was apparently released, released to him on Friday, to him by Musk. Uh, but between January twentieth and January twenty twenty, I should say, and November twenty twenty two, so two years leading up to the midterms, more than one hundred fifty emails between the FBI and former Twitter trust and safety chief Yoel Roth. We've learned a lot about him over the last couple of weeks. A surprisingly high number are requests of these 150 emails. Surprisingly high number are requests by the by the FBI for Twitter to take action on election misinformation, even involving joke tweets from low follower accounts. The FBI's social t- media task force, known as the FTIF, created in the wake of the 2016 election, swelled to 80 agents. That's almost as big as Lori Lightfoot's security detail. And corresponded with Twitter to identify alleged foreign influence and election tampering of all kinds. Federal intelligence and law enforcement reached into Twitter included the Department of Homeland Security, which partnered with security contractors and think tanks to pressure Twitter to moderate content. Something else in here, too. I mean, I I know, well, we've heard this. Well, you've heard some of this. It's getting a lot more specific and... Um, the specificity is super important. Um, for example, there is a exchange between uh, the FBI and Twitter in which the question is asked, should we have any concern about classified information being sent our way? And the answer from the FBI is no. Now, all of this hoopla over the handling or mishandling of classified information by the former president uh, or and the former secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, for that matter. FBI didn't make a big deal about that. They did make a big deal about allegations against Trump. And all the while, they're talking to Twitter. And as long as Twitter is doing their bidding with respect to content moderation, censorship, then they're take it seems to be from this exchange a sort of willy-nilly approach to twitter's twitter executives having access to classified information 3126425600 turnkey.pro answer line 64636da turnkey.pro text line bob and buffalo grove you're on chicago's morning answer uh good morning uh dan and amy thanks for taking my call glad to hear amy's feeling better uh, I want to thank you guys for bringing this topic up, because if you listen to the legacy media, you don't hear about it. I punished myself Sunday, once again, watching Meet the Press with Chucky Toad, and he did not address the Twitter subject at all. They touched upon it a little bit on uh, this week, 
but it's just amazing to me. This is a non-news story for the uh, legacy media. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call, Bob. Yeah. Uh, Tayeb tweets, uh, the Twitter files show something new. Agencies like the FBI and Department of Homeland Security regularly sending social media content to Twitter through multiple entry points pre-flagged for moderation. What stands out is the sheer quantity of reports from the government. Some are aggregated from public hotlines. He gives an example of a tweet the FBI put out to protect your voice, protect your vote. Here's a tip line hotline. Um, And uh, the conclusion that's drawn here, this is sort of the headline if you've read any of the accounts, is that the um, FBI essentially was a subsidiary of Twitter, or Twitter was a subsidiary of the FBI. I mean, you could argue it either way, but the point is the relationship was one of uh, housed in the same corporate entity, if you will, subsidiary. Right. I mean, was the FBI manipulating popular opinion, or were they they a part of it? And I love Elon Musk that he took over and that he's just, you know, full disclosure, just releasing everything. Well, right, this FTIF, this task force, 80 agents, was uh, tasked with identifying alleged foreign influence and election tampering of all kinds. And so they're feeding social media, I'm Twitter, and, working and, with and, and ostensibly others. They're feeding them all sorts of, look at this tweet, this should, this should be subject to content moderation per your policies, this tweet, this account, this account, this account. And there are screenshots and multiple examples here that have been uh, provided uh, by Musk through Matt Taibbi. Mm-hmm. So Agencies. the FBI was working to manipulate our elections. Yeah. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And uh, again, it's sort of what we've said before. Well, you know, we, we, we all this with uh, 2016 and 2020 and now even 2022, we sort of knew it and Trump and yeah, yeah. But, it's to suspect it is to look at disparate treatment is to try to parse the public pronouncements of a Jim Comey or an Andy McCabe. It's to look at inspector general reports and then it's to have actual communications and get a sense of the conversations, the volume, the direction, and then ultimately the impact, what they were trying to do what they were really trying to do under the guise of protecting our democracy. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Merry Christmas. On AM560. Ho, ho, ho. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, uh, Martha Raddatz uh, this week tackled the situation at the border. All of a sudden, the D.C. press corps is recognizing this problem at the border. Wait, because, wait, 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 wait. There's a crisis at the border? Yeah, with Title 42 going away this week. Two days. With the uh, Democrat mayor of El Paso declaring a state of emergency, which has been the, the state pic- of affairs in El Paso for some time. I mean, do you see the pictures recently? I mean, there's people everywhere flooded on the streets, and it it gets really cold at night in the desert. So they even opened up a recycling plant last night to let women and children and to try and get some warmth. This was a fun part of the uh, report that Raditz did leading into her discussion with 
Texas Governor Greg Abbott. She talked to two migrants from South America, made their way from Colombia and Peru, I believe. Anyway, it's to um, remind you that people respond to incentives, that uh, people are not dumb, Mm-mm. and they are paying attention, you know, in connection with their interests, and they seize an opportunity when they see one. I spoke with two migrants who had just made the harrowing journey from Colombia and Peru. Well, he says he knew that, you know, that right now there's a little bit of a transition where Biden had some Trump policies still in place, but that Title 42 is about to change, so he wanted to kind of take advantage of that moment. These men told us they came for more economic opportunity. Yeah, they want to take advantage of the moment. Uh, I understand from their perspective why they would do that. They want to come here for more economic opportunity. I understand from their perspective why they would want to do that. Nothing against them. But uh, that doesn't mean we just say, well, because they're sharp and because they have good intentions that the laws don't apply, which seems to be the approach of this administration and the Democrat Socialist Party, of course, an open borders party. Uh, Raditz queried Texas Governor Abbott about the busing of tens of thousands of migrants to sanctuary cities like our fair Windy City, as well as New York and Philadelphia and elsewhere. Here's how he responded. And pay attention to how she asked the question, too. You have used your taxpayer dollars here in Texas to bus migrants out of here. You know, people have looked at that and said that's just a political ploy to bring attention on the backs of these migrants and some families and some very young children. The real reason behind it is because communities like Del Rio and Eagle Pass and others, they are having thousands of people dumped off into their communities, thousands of migrants uh, dumped off in their communities. They don't have the capability of dealing with that vast number of migrants. And I removed them to locations that self-identified as sanctuary cities that have the capability and the desire to help out these migrants. And so that's exactly what's taking place. Yeah, and um, oh, by the way, one other point that Abbott failed to make, they went voluntarily. Exactly, and they keep putting that out of the conversation. The, oh, they the, sign, they, before they get on the bus, you sign a document stating that you know where you're going, you're voluntarily going to that city. V- vulnerable women and children and so forth. Well, they, they okay. want to go to Chicago. They don't want to stay here where they don't have any family, for example. And the buses are heated, they have bathrooms, they're watching movies, and they get water and food. Um, And as to the suggestion that the borders are porous, that's not on Joe Biden. Joe Biden doesn't say open borders. Joe Biden doesn't say the borders are open. No, 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 that's you, Governor Abbott, claiming the borders are open. That's you, Governor DeSantis, Mm -hmm. claiming the borders are open. That's why people are coming. This is the implicit point that Raditz attempts to make here. Listen. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border. Come on over. But people I have heard say it for you are former President Trump or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message that it is an open border, and smugglers use all those kinds of statements. It was it was known for the time that Joe Biden got elected that Joe Biden supported open borders. Uh, it is known uh, by the cartels who have sophisticated information 
whether or not the Biden administration is going to enforce the immigration laws or not is known across the world, but most importantly, known among the cartels. That was such an opportunity for Greg Abbott to be so much more pointed in the direction of Raditz than he was. I mean, what he said is fine, but. He should have shoved it down her throat. Martha. I mean, please give me. She's better than that. Stop. No, she's not better than that. She is not better than that. That's the point. Martha. Are you that clueless? Are you that in the tank for the other side? Yep. You're an embarrassment. You're ridiculous. You're telling me that the reason we have this influx of migrants at the border is because of what me and Ron DeSantis are saying about the border being porous, as if word hasn't gotten back to anybody that we've had one million gotaways since Joe Biden was inaugurated. And they're predicting maybe five million total will be across the border in the last fiscal year. If you describe reality, you're the problem. If you don't admit to reality, you're the solution. Is that your point? Because it seems to be Martha Raddatz's point and the point of the people that she works for. I'm talking about the Democrat Socialist Party, since she's part of their comm shop. How absurd. But it gets more absurd yet. Why hasn't Mr. 10%, the big guy, President Biden, why hasn't he been to the border? Well, let's ask his policy advisor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, former mayor of Atlanta, on Face the Nation yesterday. And simply because people don't see the president at the border doesn't mean that he's not working. Right. Well, why doesn't he go to the border? He was just in Arizona. Why wasn't it worth his time? Well, you have to remember, Margaret, when the president travels, it's not like you or I jumping on an airplane and getting off and going to our destination. Everything comes to a halt. So all of these things are in consideration for the president. Is that the best use of resources? All of the resources that will be diverted on the ground when the president makes a visit. Is that why he didn't go? is that visit... Well, I can't speak to why he has or has not gone. I'm just speaking to the fact that it's a bit more disruptive for the president of the United States to travel than you or I. But what the president has done is continue to lean in on this immigration issue. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's leaning in. So he didn't visit because of traffic? I don't know. I was there in uh, El Paso when Trump was there, and they managed perfectly fine. After that shooting in, you know, the Walmart where 23 people died. He didn't want to be disruptive. Uh, oh, to the to the region, you know, like uh, 2,500 migrants a week coming into El Paso. He didn't want to be disruptive like that. More on this and other issues. Please be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano for our weekly conversation. He's the VP of the Catherine and Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for International Studies at the Heritage Foundation and author of the book Brutal War, Jungle Fighting in Papua New Guinea, 1942. I believe Papua New Guinea won the World Cup yesterday. No. They, no? I, Argentina. I, I, oh, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, I cannot believe I cannot believe you guys made me sit through that. I'm never talking to you ever again. <laughs> my, my blood pressure. So I mean, two things. First of all, infuriating enough, you know, like you can, can you imagine these people sitting around thinking about what gotcha talking points they could throw at the governor? Um, they treat this not just the president, but the the media treats this as if this is like an earthquake. Or a, right. or a hurricane. This is beyond Natural disaster. Right. Joe, Joe Biden saying he's just trying to deal with the problem when this is an intentionally created problem. And here's, I think, the the maybe the one epiphany or that 
because people talk about well, what voters know. Here's the thing is, under existing U.S. law, controlling both houses of Congress, Joe Biden legally could have brought in millions of aliens. Millions. I mean, he could have got anything through Congress. He could have, he could have had an infinite cap, and he could have brought them all here legally. Why didn't he do that? And so it's more about just bringing people here. And it's more about, when we say open borders, we just say, well, he's not enforcing the law, but it's more than that. If you look at the agenda that George Soros and, and, and you know me, I'm the last person to talk about conspiracy theories, but, but sometimes people talk about conspiracy theories because people are conspiring against us. The notion of borders and, and, and the, the idea that, my, that people should have a right to migrate anywhere they want to in the world and that wherever they want to go, the people that are there have a, have a human obligation to give them everything they want. This is the world order that they want. So it's not just about, I don't like border security and I don't like immigration. I don't like immigration laws. I don't like any requirements on immigration. And I like, a, and, and eventually you'll get to the point where the United States can't manage this. And so essentially the world is going to have to take over and manage all our resources and all our people. I know this sounds incredibly bizarre, but 10 years ago, would you think that we'd be sitting around and having a discussion about whether men can participate in women's sports or whether we should have, you know, 26 bathrooms for each individual gender? Right. This is, this is a purposeful action designed to a much, much larger plan that, oh, well, we don't like what Trump did, so we're going to do the opposite. And people have to wrap their heads around that. They were trying to destroy American sovereignty, destroy the American economy, and transform how the world works. But is Mexico? And if you're okay with that, then yeah. then then you know keep keep voting for these guys. Sorry for interrupting, but I, we learned yesterday, and I you know I used to live in El Paso, and I called a friend down there. There's reports that the Mexican officials are busing people to our border. They're not you know they're they're assisting oh. them to get here. So are they working with us or against us or what's happening? Well, Mexico is being overloaded. I mean, they they want to get rid of these people. I mean, they can't even handle this mess. And you know what? At least if the government throws them at the border, then the cartels aren't making money off of them. Oh, you know, it's it's just nuts. It's the we have created the world's largest human trafficking network, and we have done it all with U.S. tax dollars. We did it. We just did a, a project where we we bought a bunch of cell phone data because it's publicly available. And we tracked all the major non-governmental organizations like Catholic Charities and other, which are essentially getting paid by the U.S. government to run this human trafficking network. And they are making tons of money off of this. They are, they are making boatloads of money. This is a cash cow for them. Yeah, we talked, to, we talked about that last week with uh, Mark Morgan, actually. And um, amid, amid the call by Abbott to, uh, for, for DOJ to investigate these NGOs that are essentially engaged in, as you said, human smuggling. And they're making a profit. This is not a, you know, this is not some moral thing that they're actually, you know, doing a social good here. All they're doing is moving people for the U S government and making a profit out of it. And we're paying for it. it you know, as much as it's going to cost to secure the border and evict, uh, you know, tens of 
millions of illegal aliens from the United States, it will still be cheaper than what we're doing now. Uh, and I, I correct myself, Ken Paxton, the attorney general in Texas, is, is opening an investigation at the behest of Greg Abbott. But there's also calls for this investigation to be done writ large, since it's the federal government that's underwriting these NGOs who are engaged in facilitating criminal activity. People coming into this many, country illegally. It's, un, it's unbelievable. NGOs, their profit margins are bigger than many American industries. I mean, they take so much off the top to do this, these, these goodwill things. And then I'm, I'm sure if you're an NGO say, okay, all right, so we're bringing in millions of illegal aliens and we're making a massive profit off of this because all we're doing is giving them a bus and a, and a bottle of water and the U.S. government's giving us their gobs of money. But we'll take that money and we'll, we'll do good elsewhere. Well, you know, this is like, you know, the mafia, you know, giving money to the Catholic Church. You know, it's just, it's just not, it, this is destroying who we are. It's taking nonprofit organizations, which are supposed to be to help people, and using them as an instrument of the government, and then making them dependent on the government, and then actually out advocating for the government policy of open borders because they're profiting by it. Well, I mean, this, this can't come as a surprise. Uh, I mean, maybe the depths of it, but... I mean, you have like the, the 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 base of the Democrat Socialist Party for the last several years was talking about defunding CBP. At the same time, they were talking about defunding the police nationally. I mean, when you really you think about how we have we have trans the how this state has had been transformed, and how you know really how how the left really is just gaslighting everybody. Because remember, it started out where Oh well, okay. We're for the border too, uh, but we want amnesty and whatever. And they, you know, they kept, but the, the reality, they were never for any of this stuff. And the more power, and the interesting is, there's a direct line between how reasonable they sound with how much power they have. You know, under Bush, when they controlled neither party of Congress uh, and they didn't control the presidency, they were, oh, we just want, you know, we we want a secure border. We want to stay. We just want an amnesty, and then we'll be happy. And now the more political power they get, the more extreme their demands are. It's the same thing. Well, we just we just want, you know, everybody to be treated the same. And then no, we actually want we want some people to be elevated over others and to get reparations because we think they did that. And it just gets more and more radical the more and more power they get. Uh, and this is the problem I have with conservatives because we're reasonable people. And somebody says something like, well, social justice. And we doesn't want to be social. It doesn't want to be just. That doesn't sound so bad. But it, but it's, it is their their bottom line. When, and again, I, you know, I, I don't come to this position lightly. But when you see these yahoos and the World Economic Forum get up and talk about one world and one government, this perfect socialist paradise, this is what our government is actually trying to accomplish. This is what the left actually wants. I wanted to get your reaction to um, one other on one other topic, and that's the uh, proposed banning of TikTok. I know there's the move to ban it from uh, the, the devices of federal employees, but Mike Gallagher, who's Republican from Wisconsin, and Rubio, senator from Florida, are looking to ban TikTok altogether in this country. Uh, Gallagher was on with uh, Jake Tapper yesterday making the case. Here's what he said. The editor-in-chief of ByteDance, for example, is a CCP secretary and has talked about making sure all product lines, all business lines follow appropriate political control. So the question we have to ask 
is whether we want to give the CCP the ability to track our location, track what websites we visit, even when we're not using the TikTok app itself. And increasingly, since a large percentage of young Americans use TikTok to get their news, whether we want them to have the ability to selectively edit that news. It's as if in 1958, given that TikTok is um, on the cusp of becoming the most powerful media company in America, we would have allowed the KGB and Pravda to buy the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Washington Post, all combined. I think this is a bad idea. The KGB didn't need to buy those outlets. Uh, they already had fellow travelers in charge. But um, the, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not sold on the, the need to ban TikTok uh, privately. Um, I, I'm not sold that uh, it's not data that's out there from private brokers that Chicoms can get anyway, just as other people can get. Uh, I, we don't ban trips to China, which often result in stripping of information th- that is accessible. Uh, so I, I, I'm not I'm not sure I, I get why this is such a priority for Republicans. Um, I, I do. I mean, this is it, this fits right in to the the Chinese strategy of they want to be the world's information superpower. So they're looking for every mechanism possible to vacuum up all the information in the universe. And, and TikTok um, is, is a prime instrument for that. And yeah, they could go and buy data, but it's way cooler when people just give you their data for free. Yeah. So, um, so I don't quite buy that argument. I, you know, I will say, look, India banned TikTok and a whole bunch of other apps and it's had zero negative impact on India. Zero. Zero. So I, 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 I don't get why we just give the Chinese free running room and, um, and, and somehow think that that's just not going to encourage them to be more aggressive, more intrusive. So I'm actually with Gallagher. Gallagher is going to chair the uh, Republican uh, – I'm sorry, the Congressional uh, – Special Committee on China. I think he's a great choice for that. I, I'm hoping you get some issues. Matter of fact, I, I'm I'm completely in the opposite on this one. To me, this was a no-brainer, and the fact that 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 this wasn't done, you know, eight years ago, uh, I, I I just think is a stunning message to the Chinese. Like we're not really serious about competing with you. So, don't you think President Trump was right then when he said, "Oh, they're spying on us. The Chinese are everyone." Well, I mean, look, the U.S. intelligence community has said that. Right. I mean, everybody, you know. Uh, there's lots of evidence that this company is run by the Chinese government and they use it to collect information. And increasingly they are, they're, they're, they're uh, twerking the content to influence us. It's a fact. So well, it, well, yeah, I, I, we're going to have to debate this more because I have other, I have follow-ups to that, but I'm going to give you the last word this time to make you feel better about your position. Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, Christmas comes no, early. Yeah, for look, Lieutenant I, Colonel. I, you know, I, to me, this is, you know, where we should have been four years ago, which is having really serious debate about the hard question. The, the problem is coming to dealing with China. We just dip, we just kick all the hard questions down the road. That's what we do. We, we do. do that on every topic. Yeah, and that's that is, and what that's, we do. But, it, but, but it, you know, this is like debating in 1945 whether we should respond to Pearl Harbor. It's this is we got to stop. We got to make the hard. I mean, I'm with you. Let's debate it and, and move on. Yeah. But we got to make the hard choices. We're yeah. going to allow these 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 apps, the or not. So just do it and move on. China. I mean, like I said, India did it, and real impact on them. So I don't think it's the end of the universe as we know it. But Le- that's me, Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano. Thanks as always, Jim. Merry Christmas. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And he joined us on our Turnkey Pro Answer Line. 
This is Chicago's Morning Answer. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. On AM 560. We're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny and K. The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. What's up in the morning, Dan and Amy? There's uh, some tumult within Republican ranks at the national level. Of course, you have this issue of the omnibus spending bill. I thought we were trying to combat funny money that feeds an inflationary environment, but... uh, Mitch McConnell and uh, some of those surrender Republicans in the Senate seem keen on cutting a deal with Democrats, while Kevin McCarthy and conservatives on the House side would prefer a continuing resolution to be passed that uh, extends the full operation of the government until they take over on January 20th and have more leverage in negotiating spend, you know, controlling the purse, purse strings. What do you think they should do? I think they should pass a continuing resolution and yep. wait for their party to take the majority in the House, obviously. I don't know what the hell the, well, I do know what the hell the, the Senate Republicans like McConnell, Romney, Collins, Murkowski, they like to spend. They're like Democrats. They're not physical conservatives, despite the fact they run around. They're just not, they're barely Republicans at all. I mean, you know, distinguish, try to distinguish the voting record of a Susan Collins or a Mitt Romney from, say, I don't know, Dick Durbin. Perhaps with the exception of some confirmation votes, you'd be difficult to distinguish. Establishment Republican, moderate Republican. No, they're not. They're statists. Call them what they are. Um, but in addition to that, you also have this uh, challenge to uh, Rona McDaniel, the RNC chairman, that's being uh, lodged by Harmy Dillon. Harmy Dillon was on with uh, Maria Bartiroma yesterday, explaining why the challenge and explaining why the need for leadership change at the RNC. And you know, it's it blows my mind that uh, you know our leadership is supporting this failed RNC leadership because. We had the opportunity to message clearly on these issues. We had the opportunity to appeal to our voters. We had the opportunity after learning from the 2020 midterms how the Democrats changed the rules and used all these new methods, ballot harvesting, early voting, and really just, you know, collecting people's ballots, not focusing on emotionally appealing to voters for Election Day. We did not do any of those things. We didn't emotionally appeal to them very well. Um, We did not have candidates that fit the districts. We allowed Democrats to pour hundreds of millions of dollars into in dark money spending into our races to define who our candidates were going to be. We had no plan to combat that. And I don't think we have a plan under the current leadership for the next few years. And that's a presidential cycle. And so unless Republicans are addicted to losing and want to continue losing, we must make changes in our leadership. And I can't vote for the leadership of the Senate or the leadership of the House, but I can vote as a member of the RNC for change leadership there. And again, this is not about a personality. This is about what we did for the last six years has led us to this disastrous place. We must do something different. And I have a specific plan on how to do that. I've shared that with the members and I've been talking about it all over the place. And, you know, outside the RNC, tens of thousands of voters have contacted our members to tell them why we need change. For more on these topics, please be joined by Gary Rabine, founder and CEO of the Rabine Group, a member of the Job Creators Network as well, former uh, Illinois Republican gubernatorial candidate who's also very much involved in 
national Republican Party politics. Gary, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, Dan. Hey, Amy. How are you guys today? Good, good. So um, what do you think about uh, Harmy Dillon and uh, where are you in, in the issue of uh, changing out uh, Rona McDaniel as RNC chairman? Yeah, I think she's uh, she's pretty weak. I don't think she's done much, and uh, you know we need more strength in the Republican Party. We haven't seen that with her leadership. We need change. So, are you ba- are you backing Harmie Dillon, or have you not decided yet? You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not involved in the, in that uh, decision or anything like that. But right. if, if I was, I, I would definitely be yes. What about Mike Lindell from uh, the CEO of My Pillow? Is that a serious contender in your mind? Uh, you know, I, I like like Mike Lindell. I've met him the times but he's got the he's got the uh uh he's got the I mean, he's like he's like a mosquito he has he's i've got add he's got add times 10 i mean <laughs> I, i'm not sure how you do that job um that's true i did read his book yes what, 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 yeah, what fair was, assessment what was your uh, i mean you heard harmy dillon's distillation of uh november what what what's yours thinking about it writ large well, i feel like we as a republican party in the whole we we continually creep further and further left, thinking we're going to get more respect from the, from, from the crazy left. Yeah, and uh, it, it hasn't worked out so well here, here in our state. It's a perfect example, as you guys have seen. We have we had 25 Republicans, in my opinion, responsible for this Amendment One uh, bill getting or this bill, this constitutional amendment getting on the on the ballot. 25, 20 that voted yes, three that voted uh, present, and then two that didn't show up to vote, didn't think it was that important. But our but our our labor our labor in Illinois is going to be decimated. The business is going to be decimated with the highest cost in labor in the country's history, and uh, and again I, I blame it on those 25 Republicans, much like McConnell, um, weaklings, right, that don't stand up for what's right for for small business and and uh, and a taxpayer. Well, and um, to to your point, uh, the commentary, new leadership in the House and Senate, super minorities caucuses of Republicans in Illinois. And both the new House and Senate Republican leader, John Curran in the Senate, and Tony McCombie in the House, they were two of the 25 who voted for Amendment 1. Exactly. They were two of the 20 that voted yes. Not even, you know, I mean, again, I think all two 25. Two of the 20. Uh, yeah, two of the 20. Curtis. Right. But yeah. two of the 20 that actually voted yes, right? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And so, these are leaders. Yeah. Well, do, you know any, do you know any businesses that are going to move out now since Amendment 1 passed? Like the Rabine Group? Well, sh- yeah, you know what? I know, I know, ma- I know. I know many businesses, you know, we have 13 little companies here and they're small businesses and mid-sized businesses that work really hard to, to make sure that our teams are treated really well. We pay well and, and our customers, uh, you know, get great service with great, great people in our businesses, but we, we can't continue to think it's okay to stay in the worst state in the country when it comes to competitive nature. So we have to, and I, I've got four or five of my CEOs, I said this when I ran for governor, seven of my companies would be better served somewhere else and, and you know, all, all of them in a little, in a small way, but seven of them in a big way. So I've got my CEOs in these companies begging, begging to get out, even though they love Illinois from here. They want to get out because they know they can compete better somewhere else. And so, yeah, some of them will be moving for sure. But but look at look at uh, look at uh, uh, Belvedere. It's a great little town. Yeah. Uh, Rockford and Belvedere yep. are served by some great great manufacturers. But look at look at this Chrysler move. I'm telling you, this they're gonna they're gonna pop up somewhere else. The unions are saying. You know, they can't, they're, they're basically greedy pigs and they, and they can't do this and they haven't heard the, rest, the, the end of them. But I'll tell you what, they have the right to move. They have the right to shut down this plant that's the most, probably the most expensive in the country. It definitely will be, with Amendment 1, the most expensive op- plant to operate in the country labor-wise. 
So, and, and that was 1,200 jobs decimating this little community, and yet uh, nobody learns from this. Yeah. No, no, it's just, I mean, they treat uh, these companies when they move and take hundreds or thousands of jobs with them. Well, you know, companies come and go. That's the attitude you get from the political ruling class. Look what it did to Galesburg when Maytag left. I mean, it, it ruins. You, got, you guys, I don't know if you guys remember like 15 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago um, in, in France, there, there, this, there, it, was, it was a place where a lot of big manufacturers were for Europe, including Goodyear. And, and uh, Goodyear left and, and, the, and they left because the. CEO got kidnapped and, and held for ransom. The president of the country said, "You great, greedy son of a gun, just pay, just pay him. What you know, you, you're 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 billion, multi-billion dollar company, just pay, you know, pay the ransom." Well, again, that's the same attitude we have in Illinois right now. And yeah. and, and it's and, it, and what what happened to France and Paris? This great great city of Paris decimated. It's it's a it's a it's a shadow of what it once was. And and Illinois will be the same thing because we we're not smart enough to 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 have elect elect Republicans that really care. I like that. I like that uh, uh, analogy. Just pay the ransom. Yeah, that's basic. Yeah, basically, that's what they're saying. Um, I want to get your take, too, on uh, something we mentioned at the top. You wrote about you had an op ed in The Hill, thehill.com, about uh, both the omnibus spending bill and also something else that Republicans should be talking about that I, I frankly, I don't hear any Republicans talking about it. They're just, again, on playing on defense, playing uh, response to uh, Democrats and their omnibus spending bill. But Remember those tax cuts that uh, spurred so much innovation and job creation? We should be talking about those too. Yeah, you know what we are. So I've been a member of Job Creators Network, and you guys know this for about. We started about twelve years ago as one of the founders. Was heavily involved early on. Got involved again to fight the against the vaccine mandate that we want the Supreme Court this this year. But I'm going to tell you this: this organization has done some great stuff, including when that when that was going on, those tax cuts and jobs act. It was. Steve Moore and, and, and a bunch of our members that were part of building that. And I'll tell you what, afterwards, I, I didn't know as, a, as just a you know, small business guy, you know, I thought it was going to do some good things. But, but boy, a year later, I could see the differences. Within six months, I saw differences. But within a year, I could go back and look at my, my customers' spend on, on maintenance of their parking lots and roofs. Uh, they, they were spending way more money bringing jobs back to America like never, they never seen before. So the results of that that uh, tax cuts and jobs act was amazing, and yet these son of a guns, I guarantee you're going to try to eliminate that and get rid of. It. We need to make that permanent. You mentioned in the piece, I mean, just in terms of um, making it local and and concrete, that uh, the tax cut savings, uh, what it meant for the Rayban Group, fifty percent higher raises and bonuses for teammates, hundred percent larger donations to nonprofits, twenty more jobs. That, that's a real impact. Now, you know, replicate that millions of times across the country. That was done then, Dan. We've been better after that. We've, we've grown a lot in the region. A lot of it because of this. Because we're, it, it incentivizes you to hire people. It incentivizes you to buy equipment because you can write it off faster. So way more capital spend, way more spend on your teammates. And uh, overall, great for the economy. And, again, to take it away, it would be stupid. But these, when you look, you think it's stupid. We've got a lot of those in, in, our, in our federal government. They, they, they will take this away, most likely. He is Gary Rabine, founder and CEO of the Rabine Group, member of the Job Creators Network. Uh, check out his op-ed at thehill.com, which I'll tweet out about uh, making the tax cuts permanent and not the funny money spending. Gary, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Dan. Have a great day. Thank you, Gary. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. 
This is Chicago's Morning Answer. I want Christmas. Just give me plain baby Jesus lying in a manger Christmas. On AM 560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM 560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Quote, quote, diverse beliefs about the role of gender in marriage are held by reasonable and sincere people based on decent and honorable religious or philosophical premises. Therefore, Congress affirms that such people and their diverse beliefs are due proper respect. Where's that from? Uh, Anybody know? Anybody know where that's from? Diverse beliefs about the role of gender and marriage are held by reasonable and sincere people based on decent and honorable religious or philosophical premises. Therefore, Congress affirms that such people and their diverse beliefs are due proper respect. Is that from the Vatican? Interesting. That's that's from the quote-unquote Respect for Marriage Act that was signed into law by Biden last week, which is not dissimilar to dicta in the Obergefell, Obergefell decision that uh, began the formal redefinition of marriage. So wait a second. I, Democrats are celebrating this. They, they brought out their drag queen friends and everybody else for the uh, uh, signing. John uh, Lemon brought out his fiance, but I don't think that's going to work. Uh, Pelosi was saying tolerance is uh, patronizing. Nothing short, I mean, implicitly arguing nothing short of celebration is required to be a decent person. But that's not what Democrats voted for. That's the language in the law. Hmm. Because, I mean, to understand it from the perspective of the larger culture, you oppose the redefinition of marriage, then you're a bigot. In other, you know, everything is you're a right-wing bigot if you disagree with my redefinition or deconstruction of something. But that's not actually what the law says. Gosh, if only if only there were some Republicans who were actually willing to take up these battles in a sensible way. And uh, even this, I mean, is sort of accepting, you know, a patting on the head after a total and complete defeat, including at the hands of a dozen Republican senators. For more on this topic, boy, this doesn't get, nobody wants to talk about this. Even those who voted uh, against it and to, uh, and who are, who have maintained their support for the uh, proper definition of marriage, even they don't want to talk about why. Scott McKay is going to help us answer that why question. He's the publisher at Hayride, contributing American Spectator, and author of the Revivalist Manifesto. Scott, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Morning, Dan. Morning, Amy. Morning. Merry uh, Christmas to all of y'all. Merry Christmas oh, you. Uh, to you all as well. Um, so um, what about this? Why why doesn't anybody want to talk about marriage? I thought we're in the midst of a culture war. I, I see a lot of Republicans um, railing against Drag Queen Story Hour and the trans cult in K-12, through but they're silent here. Well, I, I think... 
to some extent, these guys have been beaten so badly on the marriage issue, uh, and, and it was such a failure in the uh, by the political class on a cultural issue that that's the reason they don't want to talk about it. What drives me so nuts about the the passage of this with these twelve Republicans in the Senate is that they didn't get anything for it. You know, I mean, this is a core. Democrat issue, and it may be something that, you know, the the Bush Republican crowd that still controls whatever, 15 or 20 Senate seats on the Republican side, you know, they don't care about this enough to fight on it, but get something for it, right? Get the the uh, the reinstation of um, uh, reinstatement, rather, of the uh, military troops that didn't want to take the jab. Or, you know, get some spending thing or, or, you know, get some Republican priority. The wall get built at the southern border. Get the Democrats to agree on something you want in return for giving them something they want. They did. And this is what. No, no, they did. They got an attaboy from the Democrats. They got a you're a good Republican. And that's really all they want. They just want the status. Right. Got a nice write up right up in Politico or the Hill. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's the thing that, that is, and I think this marks this entire political era that started in 1932, is the Republican Party refuses to bargain for its own voters. Um, you know, and, and look, you may look at the polling and may say, well, you know, fighting on the gay marriage issue is a, is a political loser. Well, fine, but at least extract a price to the Democrats for the uh, the legislative victory that you just handed them. You know what's interesting? Make them too, give you something. You know what's interesting is um, it's funny because the Democrats didn't take that position when marriage redefinition was a political loser for them. Um, it's, Correct. They, they, they never have a problem taking up a political loser if it fits into their you know ideological agenda. And here, the other opportunity here is even though this was a fait accompli. Uh, it was an opportunity for people like me, which I did, to remind people who just folded immediately on this issue. Ah, oh, it's no big deal. It doesn't matter that um, this is not happening in isolation. You're on a continuum. When the the, the deep thinkers like Jonah Goldberg, who didn't appear to appreciate this, oh, I'll give them civil unions and then we'll call it a day. Right? Like like you get to call stop. No, it doesn't work right. that way. And so so just so you know, for you Republicans now that have the temporary courage to take up a culture issue because it's so overwhelmingly supported the position opposed to this trans cult and and and, and removing parents from the decision making uh, with respect to their minor children and so forth. It, just because you have the courage to do that now when it's a 75 percent issue or boys and girls sports, understand they're going to continue to attack. They're going to continue to try to move the center and. This is exactly what they did with marriage. And if you don't stand and fight, then it's going to go the same way as marriage did, which was predicted by those defenders of, of traditional marriage, that once you let this domino fall, there are more that will follow and they're following. Well, that's right. And, and there's a fundamental um, failure on the part of way too many on the right to recognize that the left doesn't have a limiting principle. There is no, oh, well, beyond this is too far out over our skis right. and we won't push it. 
and so, you know, one of the problems that the, these guys have, and I, you know, I, I go back to this, I wrote about it in my book, I write about it all the time, is you, know, you have a fundamental problem with conservatism, which is that its, its mantra is standing athwart history yelling stop, right? And, and the failure is that you don't go on offense. I mean, when, when the trans crowd was calling people bigots because, you know, like straight people didn't want to date them. And when they started getting into the to the schools and, and now they're going to groom kids to alternative sexual lifestyles, that was the opportunity to go back on offense and push these people back. Um, and instead, it's this slow motion roll toward normalizing pedophilia and you know, turning kids trans without their parents' consent and all this other stuff. And, you know, there's, there's no pushback on this. I mean, uh, we still like, for example, you know, and, and this is this is related, though, not necessarily the exact same thing. Like, we still don't have the list of Johns in the F Epstein case. I mean, right. nobody has been shamed. Nope. There's no there's no uh, you know public outrage. There's no uh, demand for accountability on these kinds, kinds of things. When we as a society have a consensus that sexualizing kids is a bad thing. We're letting them chip away at that, and nobody's doing anything about it. Nobody is making it unpleasant for these people to have done that. So, um, I mean, if anything, Elon Musk is the only one that's doing anything because he banned all those people from Twitter. So, tell Scott, tell us more about this drag queen that was there for the bill signing. Uh, yeah, the, the the drag queen that that posted a whole bunch of things about. Uh, uh, you know, sexualizing kids, and he's an Antifa-affiliated uh, 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 individual and all this. I, I, and my, I, my take on this is they bring these people to the White House deliberately stoking outrage. And I, maybe a, a week or two ago, you probably saw this whole thing where um, uh, there's a new term the left is using aimed at the right. And of course, everything is about these guys is projection. Uh, but the term is sto stochastic terrorism, yeah. right? Where, which is where if, if conservatives say something that is uh, strident or whatever, uh, that that is going to stoke random acts of, of violence and lone wolf, wolf terrorism. Of course, that's not something Bernie Sanders is guilty of when James Hodgkinson tries to execute the entire Republican congressional baseball team. That 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 doesn't apply to this. But if Christopher Rufo talks about, uh, you know, the the, uh, the the trans crowd and the grooming of children, then, you know, he's stoking violence against the LGBTQ uh, community. Right. Um, and, and of course, this whole thing is 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 designed to provoke as much outrage and demoralization as possible among normal people in the hopes that somebody is going to pop off and do something horrible, which then is going to be used as the pretext for dropping the hammer on conservatives, much the way January 6th has been used. I mean, it was a protest that got a little rowdy. And all of a sudden, it's an insurrection. We have to put hundreds of people under the jail uh, without bail or trial, right? Well, and Democrats are still I, claiming that four people died that day. <laughs> and two of them had a right. heart attack, health conditions, and that, you know, you know about sick, Nick. So, I mean, they're still pushing that bull jive and just saying, you know, just making these declarative statements as if they're true. 
Well, and and they do it because this is one of their core things, is they want to radicalize the right so that they can um, uh, inflict on our side of the fence uh, all of the things that they have been busily weaponizing against us, the FBI and the uh, Department of Homeland Security and the, and the surveillance state and everything else. You know, they want to prove that emergency that they can then use. I mean, these people, you go talk to them, they're all Maoists. They all believe in the Cultural Revolution. And, uh, you know, they just need a pretext to make it work. Otherwise, you would never you would never invite drag queens to the White House. God, that, no. that, that, that doesn't serve any purpose politically or public policy or otherwise. This is done for the sole purpose of of so irritating people that somebody's going to pop off and do something. Well, or uh, just to continue, as you say, to, to uh, mainstream, to normalize, and, and to the extent that uh, anybody presents um, an opposing viewpoint, as you said, it's violence, yeah. it's stochastic terrorism. And so if you want to be labeled a uh, insurrectionist, if you want to be labeled a stochastic terrorist, if you want to be labeled a right-wing bigot, well, then you go ahead and oppose what we're doing here at the White House or in the school. Right. And the long game, obviously, is to utterly destroy the nuclear family uh, because that's the, you know, it's the, the little platoons of society is, is how they used to be right. uh, referred to. You know, with, and without a, a viable nuclear family, uh, the majority of the country is going to be, you know, way more vulnerable and and way less likely to oppose efforts at at uh, you know the the size of government that these guys are interested in. He is Scott McKay, publisher at the Hayride, contributor to the American Spectator, and author of the book The Revivalist Manifesto. Scott, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Stay warm out there. All right, thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey. Dot pro answer line. This is Chicago's morning answer. You stink. I think you're going to have a good Christmas, all right? I like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. An AM 560. The answer. America First with Sebastian Gorka. Today at 3, right before Sean Thompson at 4 on AM 560. The answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. And so uh, we'll go from the karaoke contest to some other offering in the vein of bread and circuses to keep the serfs entertained. Yeah. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah, I mean, over a weekend when nine teenagers have been shot, four fatally, most CPS students, you know, let's words, not focus on that. Well, yeah, but it was it was really escalated on Friday when it was a just bold attack at Benito Juarez in that courtyard. This dude runs out all Covered in black with his gun drawn and shooting. Not dude, he looks like a kid himself. We don't himself. want to hear the negative oh, stuff. We want to hear the okay. contest. Okay, you don't want to hear a mom grieving no, on the north side who lost a 20-year-old. Who cares about that? We don't care okay. about that in this city. So this is what we care here. The city announces the first annual You Name a Snowplow Contest. So what we they you have to do, the city's going to pick the top six names. Okay, and each name will represent one snowplow in each of the cities. Six snow districts. Did you even know, Dan, that we had six snow districts? I thought it was five. <laughs> yeah. You're not on top of it. I uh-huh. thought you were going to be on top of it. Yeah. So the question, you know, the mayor, ready? Chicago knows snow, and we count on our snow plows and the drivers to be here for us every winter. 
So let's be encouraging and have fun and decide in this thrilling, fun, and exciting naming process for important fleet of snow vehicles. So what you want to do is uh, put your submit your entry by January 6th or whatever comes first or 20,000 submissions. This is uh, from the Chicago Department of Transportation, the department mm-hmm. that only accepts compliments if you call. Oh, really? Does not take, it does not take criticisms, only accepts oh, compliments. Oh, okay. So you're supposed to go to chicagoshovels.org. Uh-huh. And on behalf of you, I, I think we should name a snowplow after you or try to, you know, enter it to see if it wins. They're going to take the top 50, and you have to keep it clean, folks. No uh, vulgarity. No, of course. No, yeah. um, the you up know, and up. Right. acronyms that could be, you know, nefarious in nature, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You have to keep it clean, and then they're going to decide All right, so from you got a name 50. or what? 312-642-5600-Turnkey.Pro <laughs> wow. answer line. 64636-DA-Turnkey.Pro text line. I don't, do you have a name? Yeah, I, I've got a bunch. Oh, oh, well then. But, I, I you know, the, I'm, I'm waiting. All right. Here's, You're waiting? Here's my I just name. give us one. I got, uh, I got a name, and I already have a jingle for it. I got a name and a jingle. That's pretty good. This is fast turnaround, Dan. Yeah, well, I'm stealing it. How oh. about how about Mr. Plow? Call Mr. Plow. That's my name. That name again is Mr. Plow. It's catchy, isn't it? <laughs> sure, Homer wouldn't mind. Oh, Michael Southside, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning, Dan. Morning, Amy. Thank you for taking my call. I think we should name it Salt and Pepper. Not bad. Not because bad. of the song Push It. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That works on multiple levels, That's too. really good. Salt associated with the snow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Push it. Yeah. Pepper, because, you know. Very good, Michael. It's pretty good. Salt. Take up some gravel while you're plowing. Yeah. So the snow never looks, crisp, you know, white. It's always some salt and pepper in there. Uh-huh. Um, push it real good. Maybe they can put a, you know, a blowhorn on that thing, too, while they're pushing the... Snow. Yeah, I think that song is normally reserved for the Pride Parade, but maybe they can make an exception. <laughs> uh, Michael, Arlington Heights. I'm going with Plowy McPlowface. Of course. Very good, yes. So what is, course, no, what is that, 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 what's that from? Yeah. Uh-huh. Plowy McPlowface. Mike in Melrose Park. Hey, good morning, guys. How about they name a snowplow after each one of her political challengers for mayor? Okay. Oh. All right. Like the Vallis? Yeah. The Chewy? The call. I'm all right. Willie Wilson. Right. I mean, we get who yeah. the challengers are. But uh, that okay. Mm. Somebody texted in. What's na- What's next? Carjacker of the Year award. Yeah, there should be. A, Isn't that There should great? be awards. Absolutely, should be awards. I shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh at this, but if you you, know, you can't laugh, you cry the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I, there should we should have like uh, we should have some sort of like uh, urban Olympics like ripped from the uh, script of. Um, um, uh, the 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 Keenan. Um, I'm gonna get you, sucker. The oh. Wayans brothers. Remember that? Remember the Urban Olympics? That would be. You could do that. You think we'd do that? That's a contest. Sure. Why not? <laughs> um, I also have. So this, these are a little. I got some other ideas. Here. Okay, what other idea? And I'll read some more text messages. Uh, and this, in. this becomes. This is a name plus a movie recommendation. Uh huh. Tread. I don't know if you Tread. saw this movie. I was just thinking about it because you think big pieces of equipment like a snowplow. Tread was this, it's a documentary. Can't believe this. It actually occurred, documentary. This guy, Marvin Hemeyer, this is, I don't know, 30 years ago, in a small town called uh, Granby, Colorado. 
he built this, what essentially was a tank of sorts, and he rolled over the entire town, or in, most most of the town. He just, in the tank. He just started rolling over things. He had a bit of a dispute with village officials. Yeah. I think it, there was some sort of a dispute over... Um, eminent domain type no, of Not situation? eminent domain, but ordinances and, and code enforcement, and... He uh, he went next level on the code enforcement folks, and uh, anyway, it's a great documentary. It's really and he literally ran over buildings or yeah. vehicles he, like, he, he was to demo- get people out first. He was demolish. Yeah, nobody got. It. He was demolishing the town, though. demolishing, and they couldn't stop him. They they couldn't figure out a way to stop him before he was demolished. I won't wow. I won't ruin the ending, but that's pretty good. So tread in honor of Marvin Hemeyer. What about plow? P L O W. Put Lightfoot out of work. Mm-hmm. Mm, that goes with the acronyms. Or mm-hmm. if you leave an acronym on this ChicagoShovels.org, mm-hmm. um, you got to explain your acronym. How about MAGA Country <laughs> as a plot? Asendario Brothers Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, MAGA Country, that'd be good. Um, let's see. What about the Jesse Smollett Mobile? Mm. Um, Snowy McSnowface. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. We got that whole genre. These are of, people texting yeah, us. Right. Uh, the Jane Byrne. In honor of her victory years ago and the fact that her, her construction project—I uh, don't know—that's what. No, were. that's perfect. You know, you that name it, you name it after right. You named it after Blandick. Oh yeah, snow. What snow? I don't see any snow. Remember that? Was that 1979? No, yeah. mm-hmm. 78 or 79. Because I remember my grandpa was just like, "Did you hear him? Did you hear him? Listen to this mayor. He's so stupid." Yeah. And my grandpa was honest. We demand good government in the city of Chicago, as you've seen in the intervening four decades. And still generations later, and we're still suffering through the same ludicrousy. Uh, Will and Skokie. Hey, Dibs Destroyer. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Plow, plow, good. Plowing up all the all the chairs and everything that, that people put out. Very good. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Will. Yeah, we got another bad. one. The Gay Blade. Yeah. Uh-huh. Zorro. Sort of, sort of the, uh-huh. uh, Ralph and Rantoul. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Ralph. Hey, good morning. Oh, hey, sorry there. Didn't hear. It got too quiet, too fast. Uh, sling blade or non-white supremacy? Non-white supremacy. Yeah. Thanks for the yeah. call. Right. We have another one texted in at 64636. Operation Greylord. Hmm. Okay, I'm Joey the Clown Lombardo, who recently died. Uh, not that recently, but it was just okay. These I, are what people are texting. Well, in. I know, but like, let's how about a little uh, content, a little explanation right, here? So if you're gonna, I mean, it's if I can't figure it out, it's not a winner. Somebody texted. <laughs> how about F wire points? Yeah, F wire points. F Trump. <laughs> F Thomas. You could have a whole F uh, series, a whole uh, uh, yeah, whole fleet of F this, F that, yeah. that, in honor of life. Yeah, that's right. F Lopez. Oh, yeah. F Ray Lopez, F Clarence Thomas, F Donald Trump, F uh, Wire Points. Yeah. The Balandic, yeah, we are in that thing. Balandic, that's a good one. Greg in Jefferson Park. Hey, good morning, guys. How about seven-digit pension? That ought to uh, get people's goats. Yeah. Oh, right. what about the pa- Squeezy, the Pisces? Pension python. Well, we can bring back Squeezy. Well, Squeezy the pension python's already taken. It's a, he's a well, we pension could put, python. Well, we could, you know, commercialize his name more and put it on a snowplow. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, they have to come up with six names. 
That's going to be hard. Who's going to drive the census cowboy? <laughs> Is he? Does he like do the census cowboy stuff in the summer and the plowing in the winter? Snowbird. Snowbird. Oh. Oh. Uh. How about Double Dipper? You have like the Double Dipper, like the snowbirds that are on like their second go working right. for DOT on their second pension, working on their second pension. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I saw that. the tweet that you put out of the Florida plate that said "R.I.P. Illinois." Yeah. That's spectacular. That should be a specialty plate. That's. I pay. You know, so many people pay an extra twenty-five bucks for that. I think it's a hundred, but. Is it a hundred now? It was, it was. I'm not a resident. I wouldn't know. Oh, oh, I don't keep track oh, of these things. Oh, snooty patooty. Okay. Tom in Blue Island. Again, and Amy, how about the bullzyker? <laughs> it's not bad. Oh, all right. Uh, Elizabeth in Libertyville. Snow job. Snow job. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Oh, I got a good one. Uh huh. Lori's big unit. That's not bad. Hey. Yeah. I got a schlong, and it's bigger than it, bigger than Italians. That's what you can put on one, and it could get could do Logan Square. Lori's near big her unit. house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Coming through. Onk, onk. Move out of the way. Uh, Karen and Beecher. Good morning. Uh, apologies for the sound of my voice. Um, I have a sinus infection, but it kind of ordered was stolen. Uh, I was recommending uh jane byrne and or michael balandic right yeah thanks for the call i mean we got uh, a good one triple she, threat yeah. plow salt and destruction of parked cars um the uh jane byrne i mean she she just got that jane byrne exchange it's finally let's done. just keep the party going yeah. please uh don in bloomingdale how about mass exodus mass exodus all right don. get out the way Somebody texting. Get Get out out the the way. way. Get out the way. And then Mm. they can play the song too while they're. Uh, What other theme? Oh, like Soldier Boy? Like the uh, uh, Devin Hester's? Yeah, Soldier Boy. Oh, Soldier Boy. Oh, we got a good one. This is good. Don't do that again. (laughs) Black Lives Matter. You know, you know that is going to be one of the six ones that are named. Oh, yeah. That's not creative. It doesn't matter. It's. It's sending a social message. It's pushing their agenda. Mm. Plow through that neighborhood. Black Lives Matter. Uh, Christine and Rogers Equity, Park. another one. Thank you. I have one. How about nobody in custody? Nobody in custody. Not bad. Electronic right, monitoring. EM. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's no apocalypse. Jerry in the Western Burbs. Keep it simple. He used to be known as the hammer. Now you just call it the plow. You can name it after a park over there on the southwest side. The hammer and the plow. Um, so the like hammer. The fa- you know who the like hammer is. The falcon and the snowman? Yeah, Madigan. Uh, there you go. Thanks for the call. We have there. a great text message in. To respond to Lori versus those Columbus statues, name three, three of them. The Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's All a good right. one. Uh, Richard on Ashland. Democrats and Gamora. It's not bad. I like that. This Thanks is a call. good one. How about, Dan and Amy, how about Black Ice Matters? <laughs> Black Ice Matters. Yeah. That's better. That's better. That's what we're talking about. You have to have a spin on it. You can't just be like an NFL end zone where you just put justice or something in the... Come on. Be creative. Uh.
That's good. Gary in his car. Uh, yes, uh, for the guys driving it, double time and a half. Double time, yeah, oh, right. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Thanks for the call. The slower you go, the more money you make. Amendment one. Uh, oh, yeah, there. How about a peaceful plow? Mm-hmm. That's boring. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. It's not bad. That's that's patronage patrol. All right, now they're we're cooking. Mm-hmm. Dibs dibs destroyer. I like silver that. silver shovel. Yeah, silver shovel is not bad. That works. Graylord doesn't work. <laughs> silver shovel kind of what, does work. What about this one? Arctic schlong. Mm-hmm. 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 I like these. Keep texting them. Right. Wait, wait, we wait. Gotta, I got two more. We've got a lot of content. Snowflake. Here. Snowflake. Rainbow. Snowflake's pretty good. Snowflake's, that that's going to make it. Black Lives Matter and Snowflake are on it. How about Rosebud? <laughs> Did you get that? With the Citizen Kane? Yeah. Yeah. Rosebud. There's a sled. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Don't, why are you telling people how it ends? Yeah. Jennifer and Madison. Drag snow. Oh, that. That's good. Jen, that is the winner right the there. Thing. Equity, somebody just texted me. The no. pothole maker. Yeah. No snowflake snowflake left behind. Black ice matters. I could see that. Drag snow for sure. They'll never accept that because it's parroting Black Lives Matter, and that is sacrosanct. That's not subject to uh, ridicule or satire at all. Oh, this is a good one. Mm. Caller right there. Uh, Ken and uh, like Hedgewich. Yeah, Hedwich. how about snow? Hedwich, oh. Yeah, Hedwich. How about snow has no hope here? Oh. <laughs> All right, thanks for the call, Ken. By the way, I, right. sorry, it's a little off-putting when uh, my uh, producer, our producer here, who is from Chicago, Ken Hegwish, and it's Hedgewick is the <laughs> spelling. He's like, are you giving him, like, English lessons? Hedgewick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So wait. So uh, we, we got that. There's like 40 of those. I hope you wrote them all down so we can submit them. Yes. I'm going to put them in. I'll put them in right now. Drag snow. Drag snow. Black ice matters. Um, what, what, what did we, what did we, else I mean, we like? Snowflakes. I like, I like. Dib- Rainbow. I like dibs. Maybe. Di- Arctic ju- schlong. Um, oh. Patronage. L- Lori's no. unit. I like that. Yeah, Lori's unit. Or Lori's junk is also acceptable. A uh, dibs. I, I don't. They just removed the destroyer. Everybody would get a dibs, but that's so that's uniquely Chicago the yeah. dibs system. So that's pretty good too. All right, I think we got a winner. What did we win again? <laughs> just your free name COVID right. shot. This is Chicago's morning answer. Hallelujah! Holy sh! On AM five sixty. Where's the Tylenol? The answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's morning answer podcast, sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.